Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I have gotten a lot of requests to do a podcast on perfectionism. And honestly, I can't believe I've never done one on it before. Maybe I have, but I looked back and I don't think I have. This is episode 89, so there are 89 episodes, so that's quite a lot. But even if I did one a long time ago, it is time to do another one because it's a really common issue. A lot of us have perfectionistic kids, and a lot of times it's difficult to help them. They a lot of times don't want help, aren't open to help, and become really difficult when we try to get them to see things in a different way. And the struggle with perfectionism is it can really debilitate people. People think it's like a positive trait, like it's going to make you more successful, and really it can hold you back. So it is so important for us to teach our kids early on why perfectionism isn't a good thing and what to do and how to do things instead. So you really want to shift your child's perspective and thinking. The earlier you can do that, the better. But even if your child's a teenager, it's not too late. Even if you're an adult, it's not too late. There's always the ability to change. It's just that when they're little and they're really shaping their world, that is the easiest time to do it. So I'm going to talk to you about how to talk to your kids about perfectionism and things you can do to make it better. Now, the first thing you want to do, like everything else I talk about, is educate your child on what perfectionism is, because we can't really fix something unless our kids understand what the problem is and what we're trying to work on. And we have their buy-in to want to work on it themselves. So a lot of times kids will come into my practice and they'll say, Why is it so bad to strive to be perfect? Isn't that a good thing? Like, I want my things to be perfect. I want to have the best stuff. I want to have the best project. I want to get the best grades. I want to look the best. Why is that so bad? And what I say to kids is that's great. Like, I want you to be your best too. But when you have no wiggle room for error, for mistakes, there's no self-forgiveness you're not going to be your best. I said, people who have perfectionism are the most imperfect because they have a thought process that doesn't make sense. Nobody can be perfect. We all make mistakes. And to see mistakes as a flaw, to see mistakes as something that shouldn't have happened, that's bad, is really not the best perspective. Because when you see mistakes as an opportunity to learn, When you see mistakes as growth, hey, I did it this way. Well, guess what? Next time I'm going to do it that way. You want your kids to see that mistakes are part of becoming better. Mistakes are part of developing yourself. Mistakes are part of making you the best that you can be. Without having that element, without having mistakes, you're not going to reach a level of perfection. So, That's the initial shift. And it depends on your child's age, how you can talk to them about this. I even start, I start talking to really young kids about this and they, they can get the concepts. I will also stack 
my home library with books on perfectionism in ways that don't seem like that's all we're reading, but convey a message that it's okay to be imperfect. And in a little while, I will give you a list of my favorite books so that you can look them up and see if maybe that's another angle when you're trying to teach your kids about perfectionism. But I use this analogy a lot that I'll, I'll go into with older, like a little bit older kids, like maybe seven and older. I'll say, I had this, actually, I had this conversation with a kid recently in my practice where they were arguing with me, not like arguing, but they were saying, you know, I like being perfect. I don't want to change my perfectionism. I think it's a good quality. And I said to them, well, do you think that makes you a better like producer? Will you be a better worker? Will you be a better person? Like if, when you turn into an adult and I hire you, do you think you're going to be better than other people because you're a perfectionist? And they said, definitely, absolutely. I'm going to do 110%. And so I gave this analogy and I said, let's say you're working at a pizza place. Let's say you're a teenager and you're working at a pizza place. And there's you who's a perfectionist. And there's another kid who tries their best and they work hard, um, but they know how to move on. And the owner of the pizza place says, look, I need to make these pizzas. I need to make them quick and we need to get them out to other people so that we can get more pizzas and deliver more pizzas, whatever. So you're sitting there and you want your circle to be perfect. So you redo your dough over and over again. And then you want your sauce to hit all the sides. And so you're moving it over and over again. And then the first time you baked it, it looked a little bit too crispy. So you threw it all away and you did it again. And then finally, about four hours later, you had the perfect pizza. Now the guy next to you, he's already produced 20 pizzas and he's not there right now because he's out there delivering pizzas, doing his job. Who do you think the boss is going to think is perfect? Who's the perfect employee in that situation? The person who can roll with the punches, it's not exactly perfect, but it's perfect enough. Or the person who's immobilized by their need to have their product be absolutely perfect. You're going to be fired. (laughs) That's the bottom line. So perfectionism holds people back. It doesn't propel them forward. And in any analogy or way that you can convey that to your kids, that is the first step. I also typically talk about Edison and how it took him a thousand tries to make the light bulb. Um, I'll say to them, how many mistakes do you think Edison made before, you know, he decided to make the light bulb and they, you know, they take a couple of guesses and then I'll say, if he had your thought process, if he said, you know what, if I can't get it done right perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all. We'd all be sitting in the dark right now. We'd all be like, I'd be sitting here with like a candle and talking to you about perfectionism in the dark because we would have no light because he would have given up and he would not have invented the light bulb. But Edison always says that he didn't make a thousand mistakes. It took him a thousand tries to make the light bulb because every time he made a mistake, he learned from it. And then he made an adaption. He changed something. He tweaked something. Every time something didn't go well, he learned from that. And then he was able to make it better. So that's another good analogy. There is an awesome book that kind of speaks on this. And that is What to Do with a Problem um, by Kobe Yamada. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but I think it's Kobe Yamada. Actually, um, that author has a couple of really good books that I really enjoy. So you can check that one out. I'm trying to think what the other book is, what to do with the problem. And I'm not sure what the other one is by that 
author. But I like what to do with a problem because it doesn't seem like you're talking about perfectionism, but you are. So that is really helpful. A couple of other ones that are much more direct are um, The Girl Who Never Made Mistakes by Mark Pett, Nobody's Perfect, a story about perfectionism by Ellen Burns, uh, What to Do When Mistakes Make You Quake by Claire Freeland, and Bubblegum Brain by Julia Cook. I love Julia Cook. She makes great books. So I will leave a link with all of these books in my show notes and on my website and on my YouTube channel. Wait a minute, not on my YouTube channel. I don't know why I said that. This won't be on my YouTube channel. But so that you can access those and see, depending on how old your child is, that could be a way to teach your child about perfectionism. Also, have a dialogue. My child, so Mr. Eight, he started with perfectionism from a very young age. Um, Out of my three kids, he was the one that was really struggling with it. My 15-year-old, you know, she has issues with perfectionism somewhat, like she really wants to be a really good student, but it, it doesn't seem like it's debilitating and it's like stopping her because she's okay with not being perfect. So I wouldn't even call it perfectionism. And my Miss Six, she seems okay. But Mr. Eight definitely was getting that intense perfectionism. Like when we were in kindergarten, if he couldn't spell his words when we were doing like spelling words, he would crumple up his paper and he would, he was that kid, right? He would be like, I can't do this. When he was learning how to read, if he stumbled on one word, he would freak out. And so my attitude was like, okay, don't read, <laughs> which I know sounds like a terrible, terrible thing to do. But for him, and each kid is different, for him to not hyper-focus and not push against him was the best, best approach for him. And so I would say, you don't have to study your spelling words. You know, people are studying their spelling words because you're not supposed to know these. So nobody knows them. That's the whole purpose of studying. Studying means you're practicing because you don't know them. So you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to know them. And then you practice them over and over. You make mistakes and you say, oh, it's an A and not an E. You make another mistake. Oh, it's a TH and not a T. And then by the time the test comes, you know all the answers. So it was kind of a good way to teach him about perfectionism. Like you're supposed to make mistakes. But to be honest, like that was a year long battle where I would tell him that over and over again. And it did take him a really long time. But now we do spelling words and he has absolutely no problem when he makes a mistake because he'll just say, okay, I'm going to remember that for next time. So that was a work in progress, but we were constantly having conversations about you're not supposed to be perfect. Um, I would always say things like you're not supposed to know this. That's why it's homework because you're supposed to practice. It's not supposed to be simple. If it was simple, why would she give it to you for homework? Because you'd already know it. Or if you had to study for it, then of course you don't know it because that's what studying is all about. So you want to constantly talk about it. Also, I did not, I don't hyper-focus on results. So you want to alter your perspective and how you focus because my son is such a perfectionist or really he was, but I feel like he's come a long way and he's only nine. I think if I hadn't planted all these seeds and talked about perfectionism, like ad nauseum, he would be in a different, a very different place right now than where he's at. Because we constantly talk about there's no such thing as perfect. And 
You just have to show effort and that's it. And there's a certain time where your effort is enough and you need to move on because it's not just about how much effort you put into it, but it's also about how much time there comes a time where doing it quickly to move on is an okay thing. If you've spent an hour on one thing that would take somebody else 15 minutes, it's time to move on. It is okay. Not everything has to be a masterpiece. So I think it's teaching them that balance. So you want to celebrate effort, not results. And I'll give you an example. So well, I'll give you an example with my oldest daughter and, and we talk out loud. And so my other kids hear these things. And so even if I'm dealing with it with one child, they're all picking up on it. So she had this, she had this, um, test last year in, um, Greek mythology, and it was just a complete nightmare. And the teacher had not given them like a study guide and, she didn't really know like a lot of the answers. And so she went online and she was looking up these different Greek gods and what they do. And she studied for like four hours and most of the material that she was studying, she was getting from the internet because the teacher just dropped the ball and was not providing them with any kind of study material. And she came home and she said, mom, you know, I didn't do that well on it. I got a C and she said, but everybody else failed. And I praised her. So it wasn't about the end result. It was about the effort. And I said, you know what? There is no way you could have gotten anything better than a C. That C is like an A plus because your effort was amazing. Like you went above and beyond. You could have just been like, you know what? She didn't give me a study guide. So I can't study, forget it. But you went online and you looked up things and you did amazing. So you should be incredibly proud of that C. And, you know, my other kids hear that and they realize that it's not about the grade. It's about the effort. Uh, Recently, my son came back and he like got an A on his spelling test and I didn't hang it up. Um, I purposely didn't hang it up because I don't want to have him recognize that when you get like 100% or when you get an A plus, I'm going to put it on the fridge. So you want to be very conscientious about your language when you have a perfectionistic kid. Because even if you're putting zero pressure on your child, and most parents that come into my practice will say, Natasha, I don't pressure them at all. Like, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't want you to think that like, we're putting a lot of pressure on our kids. (laughs) And I already know that because a lot of the time, and I would even say most of the time, perfectionistic kids will put the pressure on themselves. Perfectionism can come from within and not from without. But then it's like, what do you do with that? Do you grow that with your own standards and your own parenting? Or do you help with it by, by minimizing the need for perfectionism? So we can help or hurt our kids, but you didn't necessarily create it. So, um, I just want to say that because there's a lot of parents out there who feel like, Oh my gosh, like, why is my kid acting like this? It's like coming from my parenting. And a lot of times it's not, I know this because I am the opposite of a parent that is going to force my kids to get straight A's and drive them to the ground. I am very, very loving and supportive of any effort. We don't focus on grades in my, in my home. We focus on just being good people. I really focus on personality. (laughs) It's probably because I'm a therapist, like being kind to people, respecting people 
helping people, following your passion. Um, like those are the things that we talk about in my house. We don't talk about, are you going to go to Harvard or did you get straight A's? We talk about being good people. And I still had a child with perfectionism. And ironically, I mean, my 15 year old, she gets straight A's and that is not driven by me. In fact, I encouraged her to, to, to not take honors classes in areas that she wasn't interested in because she wants to be an artist and I want her to have time to come home and do her art because that is what she loves. And we're going to foster that. And I put her in art programs and we talk about graphic design and we talk about career choices and I want her to have time to do what she loves. So you want to foster your kids' passions and you want to dial down the talk about grades if your child's a perfectionist. Now, I'm not talking about other kids. I mean, there are plenty of other kids out there who need motivation. They need the focus on grades. Um, those are different kids and those are not the kids we're talking about today. We are talking about kids who drive themselves and, and we don't have to encourage that because they already are putting a lot of pressure on themselves. So we can take the foot off the gas. We can put the foot on the brake. We can talk about other things. So really parentally, it could be a good gift because we don't have to babysit our kids. Um, recently my daughter, the one in high school said to me, cause she just got into high school like the last few months. And she said, mom, are you even online checking my grades? <laughs> and cause she's shifted. So, you know, you can check the kids grades online. Well, because she's at a new school in a different school district, I'm not connected to that. And she was supposed to give me the login information because she's out of district. So I feel like I don't get a lot of good communication about anything that's going on at that school or at the, in that school district. So it's been a learning curve. So I don't have the login for information and she never gave it to me. So I haven't been checking her grades. And eventually that upset her <laughs> where she said, are you even checking my grades? Cause we're ending the first quarter. And I said to her, I'm not. And you know what? I'm okay with not checking your grades. You can tell me your grades and you can show me your grades and I love you and I care about you, but your grades are not who you are. And I know that you're going to try your best because these are your grades. They're not my grades. And this is your life, not my life. And it's your future, not my future. So the grades are for you. They're an indication of what you need to work on and what you don't need to work on. And um, I want to keep posted because I love you, but it's not my deal. It's your deal. So I'm saying that to her because she is already doing so well. If you, Obviously, if you don't have a child who is doing really great, you want to monitor them. But I dial it down for all three of my kids because they're all go-getters and they all could be perfectionists if I didn't dial it down 110%. So don't focus on grades. That would be my suggestion for you. Don't hang up only A pluses. One time my son came home and he got like his only B ever on a spelling test and the words were super hard and he was really upset. And I hung it up and he said, mom, why'd you hang that up on the fridge? It's a B plus. It's not an A. And I said, yeah, but I remember you studied really hard for this. And I remember you going over the words like more than you normally would because they were super hard. So I think that's amazing that you got a B plus. I mean, this is a good grade. It was really good effort. So by hanging it up, I'm honoring him and I'm showing him that to be imperfect is okay. So 
those are some ways to help. Um, perfectionism is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You want to watch your language as far as, um, even when saying you try your best, I, I do sometimes say that to my kids, but I did have a kid recently in my practice say, you know, when my parents say, try your best, that puts a lot of pressure on me because I know my best is an a plus. And so anything lower than an a plus is not my best. So we don't want to just leave it at try your best. We want to explore it, you know, give it your best effort. What kind of effort is the teacher expecting for this and what effort can you give to it? So you just want to watch how your child is interpreting your language so that they don't get misinterpreted and, and feel like trying your best is a code for get an A plus. I also talk to kids, my kids and kids in my practice about how they're not going to be great at everything. So often I'll say, you're not going to be great at math and English. Those are two different parts of the brain. And if you're great at math and English, that's pretty awesome, but no one's going to be great at everything. You can have an Olympic athlete who's amazing at ice skating and they will squash anyone else who competes with them with ice skating, but maybe they're really bad at math or, you know, I'll say to kids, I'm really bad at math. I can't help my kids with math. Math is totally not my thing. It's embarrassing how bad I am at math, but that doesn't mean I'm not perfect. I'm just not good at math, but I'm really good at dealing with people's feelings at emotional stuff. So everybody's got their thing. You can't be great at everything. That's just impossible. So you want to visit that with your kids. And lastly, you want to talk about appearance. If you have a kid who wants to look perfect, because perfectionism can impact all sorts of things. It can impact um, their feeling of intelligence. They have to get perfect grades. It can make them feel like they have to be a perfect athlete. They have to always score and not disappoint their teammates. And you can have a perfectionistic mentality around how you look. I have to look perfect. My clothes have to be perfect. I can't be, you know, wrinkled or have my hair um, out of place. And you want to address that as well. So you want to talk about what they do like about their appearance and hone in on that and say, we all have things that we like and that we don't like about the way that we look because we're all imperfect. We all have something about us that we think could be changed, but what you want to highlight what you like about yourself And don't spoon feed them things that they like, like that you like about them. You know, you have such beautiful hair and your nose is so beautiful. I find that spoon feeding compliments does not help um, because it doesn't stick. You're my mom. Of course you have to say that. But when you say, what do you like about yourself? And if they say nothing, say, I'm going to check back with you tomorrow. So hopefully you'll have an answer tomorrow. Next day. What do you like about the way that you look? I don't know, mom. Okay. I'll check back with you tomorrow. Better think of something. (laughs) Next day, what do you like about the way you look? And and go through it. What do you like about your personality? What do you like about your skills? What do you think you're awesome at? So you want to really boost that self-confidence because ironically, when you're a perfectionist, you're insecure because unless everything is perfect, you're not perfect and then you're not okay. You're not okay with being imperfect. And unfortunately, that's a bad mindset because we are all perfectly imperfect, right? That's the way the world works. So hopefully that gives you some language, some ideas on how to help your kids. And don't forget to model imperfection. I do this all the time with my kids. I'll say something like, you know, I was working on this, but I just had to get it done. Otherwise it wasn't going to get finished. And so it wasn't exactly how I wanted it, but I needed to move on. Or I'll say, you know, 
my hair doesn't look that great today, but it's okay because I'm going to have bad hair days and I can survive. Or, you know, I made this huge mistake and it was really upsetting, but then I learned that if I do it this way, that wouldn't happen again. And so I'm so glad I made that mistake because now from now on, things are going so well. So you want to really highlight these points and it's like planting seeds. It will take time. So be patient, give it time, and hopefully that will help. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And if you're enjoying my podcast, I super appreciate it. If you hit the star on iTunes to rate it, that will literally take you like two seconds or less. And if you have a little of extra time, like maybe 10 seconds, if you can write a review, I really appreciate that. That helps other parents know whether this is a helpful podcast or not. And I know for myself, I read reviews on podcasts before I invest my time because podcasts are long and I want to make sure it's going to be a good podcast before I get into it. So I appreciate anyone who leaves a review and I always try to end my show with reading one of them to show my appreciation. So I want to say thank you to Jenny who left a really nice review. She wrote, this is an amazing podcast and resource that I've been following since it started. And it's incredible. It has helped me so incredibly much with my now 12 year old son with anxiety, depression, OCD. I don't miss a podcast and they've all helped so much. And I'm so grateful without these and Natasha Daniels website and YouTube videos. I don't want to know where we would be. Thank you so much, Jenny, for the kind words and for the dedication of following all of my episodes. I completely appreciate you. And for those of you that want to leave a review, leave a review. And maybe next week I'll be reading yours. So I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.